Hello, one and all. Welcome to Alternate Jersey, the podcast that reimagines your favorite sports moments to find out what could have happened. I'm your host and space cowboy of tomorrow, Grant Evan. We're back with part two of our John Elway saga. Previously on Alternate Jersey, we discussed how Elway sticking with the Colts results in a relocation of the Colts to Phoenix, the Cardinals hermit crabbing their way into Indianapolis, and many, many changes to the Super Bowl. But when we left off, Elway had just retired and rode off into the sunset, which works out well for him since Arizona is essentially one big retirement home. It is now 1998. The date is April 18th. All My Life by KC and JoJo is enjoying its final day at the top of the charts, and the league is about to experience a massive shift in the quarterback position. Tennessee quarterback Peyton Manning is about to go first overall and completely redefine what a quarterback should be. Cerebral, precise, and not conventionally attractive. Manning as a Colt and later on as a Bronco would go on to have one of the greatest careers of all time, beating Brett Favre's yardage and career touchdown records, winning two Super Bowls, and still holding the record for most MVP wins. But we are picking right where we left off two weeks ago. John Elway is good enough to keep the Phoenix Colts away from the number one pick, which means our top two teams are a little different and both could use a change at quarterback. Our new number one, the San Diego Chargers, with number two now being the Indianapolis Cardinals. As we discussed before, the Chargers are absolutely taking Peyton Manning, while the Cardinals get saddled with Ryan Leaf. So let us continue to answer the question, what if John Elway stayed with the Baltimore Colts? Modern NFL edition. We're going to do things a little bit differently this episode. Instead of discussing every possible thing from 1998 to 2018 year by year, we'll be doing quick hits, looking at major drafts and championships to make some quick determinations, turning the league completely on its head as we go. This is for your benefit so I don't keep you hostage with a two-hour episode, and for my own benefit so I don't start losing my mind and potentially eating my laptop. The first quick hit of time we'll cover is between 98 and 2001. The quickest hit we get to discuss is that Ryan Leaf is an absolute garbage replacement for John Elway in Phoenix. Just three years of sadness. Nothing too unusual for Phoenix sports fans. But for the Chargers... Manning's rookie year is a big boost for San Diego. As a Colt, Manning went 3-13 because of a lousy supporting cast and a porous defense, and also he threw a rookie interception record in one year. But he is better than the two touchdowns and eight picks of Ryan Leaf. Believe it or not, the Chargers' two quarterbacks threw a total of 11 touchdowns and a whopping 34 interceptions. Manning's stats? 26 touchdowns to 28 interceptions. Having 8 fewer picks and 15 more touchdowns puts the Chargers at a respectable 9-7 record. Not quite enough to make the playoffs, but definitely enough to make a statement. And yes, the Broncos don't make the Super Bowl sans Elway, which means the Packers are back for their third straight Super Bowl, meeting up with the New York Jets, a game they also win after their two Lombardi wins from our last episode, and putting Brett Favre in the conversation of greatest of all time. 1999 will finally give Denver some slack. 
99 was actually a pretty decent quarterback class. You had promising mobile quarterback Dante Culpepper going to the Vikings, Donovan McNabb giving a long-awaited franchise guy to the Eagles, and Tim Couch was also a thing that happened. The Browns are finally back in the league at this point and begin the horrible tradition of picking the wrong guy by drafting Couch. So he's off the table. The Eagles still have the number two pick, so they'll still take McNabb. Denver, though, is going to be in prime position with the 10th overall pick to snag Culpepper right from under the noses of Minnesota. Okay, so for the 1999 season, just bear with me here for a second. The Colts have the number two seed, thanks to Manning, but that team is now the Cardinals, who are starting Ryan Leaf, so they're going way out of the playoffs. This means the Bills win the AFC East with a 12-4 record, which is enough for them to grab the number two seed and ensure that they don't play the Titans in the wildcard round. Remember that, it's important. Manning's Chargers with 13 fewer interceptions go to 11-5, allowing them to make the playoffs. The Rams and the NFC are still going to storm their way to the Super Bowl, but let's sneak a peek at those AFC playoffs. Our number one seed, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Number two, the Buffalo Bills. Number three, the San Diego Chargers. Number four, the Tennessee Titans. Number five, the Seattle Seahawks. And number six, the Miami Dolphins. Manning's gang handles the Dolphins while the Titans fend off Seattle. That sends the Chargers to face the Bills, while the Titans draw the Jaguars a week earlier than in our real world. The Titans won that game in our world as the only weakness the 99 Jags seemed to have were the Tennessee Titans. But we must trust our data and statistics to be our guide here. Fortune favors the Titans yet again as they advance to Buffalo. The Bills face the Titans for AFC glory, but this time it's on Buffalo's home turf. No Music City miracle here. The Bills advance to the Super Bowl, but the greatest show on turf dispatches them much more easier than they did the Titans. We'll skip 2000 for a bit here because not a lot is going to change. Manning keeps his steady uphill rise and not a lot of activity in the NFL draft besides the Jets taking Vinny Testaverde and some Michigan kid getting picked up in round six, whatever his name is. 2001 brings us a fresh new crop of quarterbacks in the draft. To set the stage, the 2001 draft was kind of nuts. Virginia Tech phenom Michael Vick was looking to be an absolute game-changer at the position. So much so that the Falcons swapped picks with San Diego to nab the number one pick, and thus Michael Vick. They don't have that luxury here. See, Manning has kept the Chargers far away from the number one pick, which means a new squad is positioned to take Michael Vick, and that's the Indianapolis Cardinals. Leaf has not worked out over the course of three years, and the Cardinals are in desperate need to land a franchise guy. Thus, the Cards ignore Atlanta's trade offers and take Vick first overall. It's not too bad for Atlanta, though. They still have the fifth pick, and the Chargers are not on the board yet, so Atlanta reinforces their offense in a different way by taking LaDainian Tomlinson. And then, just for good measure, since the Cardinals aren't in the QB market anymore, the Falcons take this kid from Purdue named Drew Brees in the second round. This leads to our second round of quick hits, covering everything that happens before the great quarterback class of 2004. Tom Brady makes himself known in 2001, still claiming Super Bowl glory as the ultimate underdog against Warner's Rams. Note, 
This is the only time the Patriots have ever been a Super Bowl underdog during the Brady-Belichick era, and do not let anyone tell you otherwise, especially not Tom Brady. The mighty defense of Tampa Bay is challenged by the mighty offense of Atlanta in 2002 to keep the NFC South title. Bree starts coming into his own as a starter, but it's the hard-nosed running of Tomlinson that really gets things going in Atlanta. The Falcons go 12-4, but their two losses to Tampa Bay don't allow them the NFC South title. Manning's Chargers in 2002 beat out Gruden's Raiders for the AFC West, clinching the number one seed in the process. Meaning, this is what the playoffs looked like in the AFC. Number one, the San Diego Chargers. Number two, the Tennessee Titans. Number three, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Number four, the New York Jets. Number five, the Oakland Raiders. And number six, the Cleveland Browns. For this exercise, we'll skip right ahead to the AFC Championship. The San Diego Chargers and the Tennessee Titans. The winner? San Diego! Manning gets the Chargers to the Super Bowl after staving off Gruden's gang in the divisional round and riding their number one seed all the way to the finals. In the NFC, the Buccaneers are still the ones going to strong-arm their way into the big game. Manning's first trip to the Super Bowl in a Chargers uniform is met with heartbreak as the number one defense of Tampa Bay harasses San Diego and grabs the franchise's first and only Lombardi. Our current stars in 2003 are no match for Tom Brady's Wild Ride Part 2 as the Patriots reclaim championship glory. Okay, let's talk about 2004. I've been excited about this the whole episode. I mentioned last episode that Eli Manning would wind up as a Cardinal, but I may have spoken too soon. The Chargers are no longer in control of the first overall pick, obviously. This puts the pick squarely in Oakland's possession, but they're not exactly in the QB market at the moment. Normally, that puts the Arizona Cardinals as our next up, but our Indy Cardinals snagged Vic and are looking good. However, our Phoenix team has not struck gold at quarterback just yet. Thus, they have not won very much. We can easily reason that the Colts now have a top three pick and are in a good position to take Eli Manning drama-free. This means the Giants don't have to draft a player the Chargers are interested in in an attempt to land Eli. The Giants instead take their first pick in Ben Roethlisberger. But then where does Phillip Rivers go? Logic would think the Steelers would be in the market, and you'd be right, but also remember that Minnesota is now Culpepperless, and definitely in a better position to take a franchise-changing player with the fifth overall pick. Now, obviously, we have no anecdotal evidence for Minnesota being interested in a QB in 2004, let alone Phillip Rivers, but we do have a very interesting interview from Phillip Rivers where he revealed that when he was a young boy for a school project, he taped his own face over a Minnesota Vikings player on the cover of Sports Illustrated when he had to do a project about what he wanted to be when he grew up. So that's cute, right? That's close enough. Rivers becomes a Viking. But the 2004 draft wasn't just for dramatic quarterbacks, with our real-world Cardinals team having Vic and now our real-world Phoenix team taking Eli. That leaves the question of what happened to future Hall of Famer Larry Fitzgerald. The first four picks are now done, which puts the Washington Redskins up next, but they'll still take defensive stud Sean Taylor due to having a huge need of the position. 
which means Larry Legend is headed to the land as the next member of the Cleveland Browns. Okay, just so we're clear. Peyton's a Charger, Vic's a Cardinal in Indianapolis, Culpepper is a Bronco, Breeze is a Falcon, Eli is a Colt, and Phoenix, Big Ben is in the Big Apple, and Rivers is a Viking. Cool? Cool. Let's talk 2004. Peyton has an incredible season in San Diego, picking up a 15-1 record with no threat from Pittsburgh. Eli's rookie year is rough in Phoenix, and Rivers has growing pains in Mini, and Big Ben is stuck behind Kurt Warner for a bit. After Warner goes 5-4, Ben picks up the slack and finishes with a respectable 3-4 record, putting the Giants at 8-8. The real threat in the NFC? Atlanta. With Breeze having a career year and LT also having a career year, the duo look unstoppable, grabbing a 13-3 record, which is just enough to finish with a number two seed in the NFC. And for good measure, Culpepper himself has a terrific year in Denver, finally ending their long playoff drought and leading them to a 13-3 record. Let's talk playoffs. For our seeding in the AFC, Number one, the San Diego Chargers. Number two, the New England Patriots. Number three, the Indianapolis Cardinals. Number four, the Baltimore Ravens. Number five, the Denver Broncos. And number six, the New York Jets. We have Manning, Vic, Brady, and Culpepper all in the same playoff picture. We'll skip ahead a bit and go to our obvious conclusion, Manning versus Brady. Peyton's Chargers have the advantage in this one as they advance to their second straight Super Bowl, but who is waiting for them in the NFC? We'll skip some of the seeding issues here again as the outcome remains to be the Eagles hosting the Falcons, but in this version, Vic isn't doing everything on his own, and the well-balanced attack of Breeze and Tomlinson is more than the Eagles can handle, sending Drew Breeze to his first Super Bowl. In this match, fortune favors experience as Peyton Manning hoists his first ever Lombardi. The 2005 draft still sees Alex Smith go to the 49ers first overall, but we do have one big hole to fill and it's a hole that's much more open in this draft, the Steelers quarterback position. Which I know what you're thinking, oh 2005, that's a great place for Aaron Rodgers, he's in this draft. And sure, but let's remember that 23 teams passed on Rodgers before Green Bay grabbed him to sit behind Brett Favre. Pittsburgh doesn't have what everyone figures Rodgers needed, a guy to sit behind and develop under. Or do they? The Giants famously ditched Kurt Warner after the 2004 season, sending him down to Arizona where he'd have a second wind in his career. The new iterations of both the Cardinals and Arizona have their guys in Vic and Eli respectively, but Pittsburgh has a major hole to fill. The Giants ship Warner off to the Steel City. The Steelers plug him in as a starter with a great supporting cast, but just in case this old man doesn't work out and they need to work something else out, they should probably grab a kid in the draft. Thus, Aaron Rodgers is drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers to learn behind two-time MVP Kurt Warner. In 2005, Manning's Chargers suffer a setback on defense, keeping them from Super Bowl glory. Warner's Steelers keep a steady 11-5 record. Vic's Cardinals take a step back as well, so Brady's Patriots take advantage of a weaker window to make the Super Bowl and face off against the Seahawks yet again. So, another ring for Brady. 
The 2006 offseason sees Sean Payton become head coach of the New Orleans Saints, but the Falcons are in no way cutting ties with the quarterback who got them to a Super Bowl recently. Luckily, Sean Payton has a very clear plan B in mind. During his time as offensive coordinator in Dallas, Payton was hoping to woo one Tony Romo to make the trip to NOLA with him. Problem was, Bill Parcells didn't want to give Romo up. But with the Saints now needing an answer at quarterback desperately and Romo being an unproven commodity, New Orleans ups their offer, talks Parcells out of hanging on to the future starter, and Tony Romo becomes the man in New Orleans. Moving on to our 2006 Super Bowl, and it might sound familiar. Peyton Manning's 14-2 Chargers taking on Drew Brees' 14-2 Falcons. LT is fresh off an MVP season, and Manning just had his best year yet. It's an instant classic, but without a running back relief to help out Peyton, this time it's the Falcons bringing home their first career Lombardi. 2007 pits the perfect Patriots up against Big Ben's Giants, who are much more than an even match for Brady's squad and wind up wrecking the 16-0 streak. And that leads us into our third cluster of hits, 2008-2012. Our first item of business, Michael Vick does not start a dogfighting ring in Indianapolis. We're just going to assume that a different environment puts different paths for people and the Cardinal starter doesn't have to go to jail. So congrats, Mike. In this world, you're not a piece of shit. Second, the fate of future MVP, Matt Ryan. With Drew Brees bringing home the Super Bowl trophy to Atlanta, obviously they are not in a position to take Matt Ryan third overall. You know who is, though? Dallas. Without Romo's early career streaks bringing America's team back from the depths of irrelevance, the Cowboys are now finally in the decent quarterback market. With their shiny new high-round pick, the Cowboys bring the Boston College boy to Dallas. And Joe Flacco still goes to the Ravens. It's 2008, and Kurt Warner has been alright to just okay in Pittsburgh, and young Aaron Rodgers is itching to get on the field. When the season starts, Warner opens the 4-3 record as the Steelers watch rookie Flacco start to pass them in the standings. The decision gets made to plug Rodgers in starting Week 9, and he's gangbusters. Rodgers goes 6-3, including an important win over rookie Flacco to give the Steelers a 10-6 record and just edging past the Ravens to win the AFC North. Eli gets a decent defense and makes his first playoff appearance by winning a weaker NFC West. Ben's Giants dominate the NFC and Phillip Rivers finally gets a good enough team around him to command a now Rodgers-less NFC North. Brett Favre still unretires, but with no clear options to replace him, the Packers welcome him back with open arms for two more years. Your 2008 seedings are thus. Number one in the AFC, the Tennessee Titans. Number two, the Miami Dolphins. Number three, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Number four, the San Diego Chargers. Number five, the Indianapolis Cardinals. And number six, the Baltimore Ravens. Rodgers thwarts his rookie rival while Vic manages to exploit a weaker Chargers squad and get his first playoff victory. The Titans are next on Vic's mad dash to the Super Bowl while Rodgers handles the Dolphins with no problem. 
Thus, the Pittsburgh Steelers now host the Indianapolis Cardinals for a shot at the Super Bowl. And after going through our simulations and probably making my simulation machine angry with all the subs and factors we had to adjust for, we can with full-on confidence say that Michael Vick and the Cardinals are going to the Super Bowl. In the NFC, number one, the New York Giants, number two, the Atlanta Falcons, number three, the Minnesota Vikings, number four, the Phoenix Colts, number five, the Carolina Panthers, and number six, the New Orleans Saints. The Panthers end the Arizona dream of returning to the Super Bowl, and Rivers staves off Romo's attempt at a playoff win. The reigning champs beat Carolina, and Rivers falls short against the Falcons. Figuring out who wins here is a bit of a simulation chore, but we do end up seeing Breeze back in the Super Bowl on his dynamic Falcons squad. Thus, Vic gets to face his would-be team against Breeze in the Super Bowl, and it's yet another Lombardi for the ATL. For our 2009-10 Super Bowl, Aaron Rodgers makes another trip with Pittsburgh to the AFC Championship, only to be bested by one of the better Chargers teams in recent memory. Meanwhile, without Breeze to helm the Saints, it's the Vikings that end up benefiting from the incredible year of Phillip Rivers, while being supported by Adrian Peterson in the backfield. The Vikings blast their way through the NFC playoffs, knocking out the defending champion Falcons for a shot at Super Bowl glory against Peyton Manning's Chargers. In this battle, Manning grabs his second Lombardi, and the Vikings suffer their fifth franchise Super Bowl loss. 2010 unleashes an angry Rodgers upon the AFC. Rodgers' MVP season brings home a tremendous 15-1 record to Pittsburgh, easily booking them a trip to the Super Bowl after two failed AFC championship runs. Without Green Bay around to pose a threat now that Favre has for reals retired, our NFC champion is the Dallas Cowboys. Remember, Matt Ryan finally clicks all the right boxes this year, and the Cowboys have added a decent rush attack and newly drafted wide receiver Des Bryant. Also, Matt Ryan isn't made of glass like a certain Tony Romo is. But, even with all that going for them, the Steelers are too much to handle and book Rodgers his first Super Bowl win. Since Carolina has been relatively unaffected by our shift so far, they will still get Cam Newton while the Broncos, long removed from Culpepper, still get Von Miller. Not a lot to unload in this draft except for the Packers managing to get Andy Dalton before the Bengals do. But it's okay, Cincy. You get Colin Kaepernick. 2011 sees Pittsburgh back in the Super Bowl. How? Rodgers scoring enough points to keep Pittsburgh from overtime and thus avoiding a Tim Tebow miracle. In the NFC, it's Big Ben's Giants coming back for round three in the title, but it does end up being a Pittsburgh who hauls in their sixth Lombardi, second for Rodgers. Which brings us to 2012. Colts got Eli and Cardinals got Vic, though an older towards the end of his career Vic. Needless to say, they don't have the first pick. Also, Peyton Manning is still a charger due to not being behind an old L that allows his spine to get wrecked. This leaves the number two Browns, who don't got a trade of an actually good Vikings team, in prime position to get whatever quarterback they want since the number one overall Rams already got Sam Bradford. 
until the Redskins trade up with St. Louis to take Andrew Luck. Not wanting to miss out on getting a top two quarterback and settle for Brandon Whedon, the Browns take RG3 at number two. Whedon falls to the second round where he belongs and joins the 49ers. Luck immediately dominates the NFC East, taking advantage of a weak year for Roethlisberger and the Giants. A real competition starts stirring in the AFC North. Cap is now starting for the Bengals in his prime. Rodgers is still putting up MVP numbers. Flacco is eyeing his elite dragon season. And real-world rookie of the year Robert Griffin III looks to save the Browns. In the end, Cap leads the Bengals to the title, while Pitt and the Ravens sit as the two wildcard seeds. Peyton is no longer around to save the Broncos, who are kind of stuck with a lousy starter after a reeling Tim Tebow. Thus, the Chargers claim their usual spot atop the AFC West. Rivers Vikings go 12-4, and Andy Dalton gets the Packers back to a happy middle in Green Bay, going 10-6. And lastly, Alex Smith still gets hurt in San Fran, but instead of Cap to save the day, it's Brandon Whedon who doesn't save the day. This is great news for Smith, as now he avoids being traded to Kansas City. So, let's keep all that info straight and take a look at our playoff picture. In the AFC, number one, the San Diego Chargers. Number two, the New England Patriots. Number three, the Houston Texans. Number four, the Cincinnati Bengals. Number five, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And number six, the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens get through Houston while Kaepernick uses that strange magic he had in the early days to beat Aaron Rodgers. This sends Joe Flacco to upset Peyton Manning and the Chargers while Cap outruns New England. Flacco versus Kaepernick in the championship yet again with a very similar result. The Ravens defense fighting out Colin and advancing to the Super Bowl. In the NFC, number one, the Atlanta Falcons. Number two, the Minnesota Vikings. Number three, the Seattle Seahawks. Number four, the Washington Redskins. Number five, the New York Giants. And number six, the Dallas Cowboys. Matt Ryan upsets the upstart Seahawks, and Big Ben beats new rookie of the year, Andrew Luck. The Cowboys are beat back by Breeze's Falcons, while Rivers outlasts the Giants. This means Rivers goes to Atlanta and tried again to make his Super Bowl dreams come true, and he pulls it off. It's an all-purple Super Bowl, Ravens versus Vikings, and Rivers is a sharpshooter with a fun cast of players around him and somehow, with all our simulations, manages to, for the first time ever, bring the Super Bowl back to Minnesota. The Chiefs have the number one pick and no Alex Smith, but also no really viable choice at QB to take at number one. EJ Manuel, Geno Smith, eh. They choose to wait it out another year until the 2014 class is ready to examine. This means Peyton gets his Chargers over the hump with no competition left in the West and gets back to the Super Bowl to face off against Russell Wilson's Seahawks. He gets wrecked. The Chiefs are back with the number one pick with a real class of Bortles, Manziel, and Bridgewater to choose from. Johnny Manziel was not first overall material, and Bridgewater's stock had tanked, so the Chiefs take the fast-rising star with the rocket arm, Blake Bortles. The Jags, also in need of a quarterback, now have to choose between Johnny Football and Teddy B. 
they do the most Jags thing ever and take Johnny Manziel. With the Browns and Vikes not needing quarterbacks thanks to Griffin and Rivers, that leaves Bridgewater to fall neatly into the second to be taken by the Houston Texans. Caps Bengals don't experience a second year slump, but Rodgers Steelers rally back to claim the North. Rodgers dukes it out with Brady for a shot of the Super Bowl, this time pulling through to face the Seahawks. The Steelers survive, rally, and upset the defending champs, allowing Rodgers his third Lombardi. Winston and Mariota join the Buccaneers and Titans, but the AFC West is a mess. Peyton feels the ravages of age, but has little competition. The Chargers limp into the playoffs with no backup option for Peyton, and the aging vet has no route to the Super Bowl without a solid defense to carry him. So instead, it's Brady left to face Cam and the Panthers. You would think that's an easy win for New England, but they didn't have the defensive firepower Denver had. In fact, per our simulations, Cam is a Super Bowl MVP and wins it all. The Chargers are now Manningless. They take a shot at Paxton Lynch in the 2016 draft, but as we've discussed in previous editions of AJ, it doesn't go well. The Broncos, however, have the number two pick thanks to RG3 actually kind of working in Cleveland and wind up with Carson Wentz. Batting back Philly's attempts to trade up and forcing them to stick with Sam Bradford since Teddy Bridgewater on the Texans doesn't have his knees explode. In our next Super Bowl, the Patriots face Matt Ryan's Cowboys, but with the help of a decent rushing attack and a good offensive line, the boys don't blow the huge lead Ryan and Brian establish, and finally, after two decades, win the Super Bowl and give people a reason to ask how the Cowboys are doing. For our last quick hit, let's establish a few things about 2017. Bradford is the quarterback in Philly, not Wentz. Wentz is a Bronco. Keenum is in quarterback purgatory somewhere, as Rivers is still piloting the Vikings. Rodgers has Antonio Brown. The Jags lost Johnny Football because if you think Cleveland was a bad environment for a party guy, imagine Jacksonville. Bortles one good year is coming up, and he's a chief. So... Bears are still taking Trubisky, but the fates of Mahomes and Watson are yet to be determined since Bortles and Bridgewater are doing serviceable work for those franchises. The easy pick is to first put Patrick Mahomes in the hands of Jacksonville and at pick number four, while Watson goes to Indianapolis to finally give them another shot at a franchise guy. Rodgers wreaks havoc in the AFC yet again with Bell and Brown. The Steelers get past Brady to make their fourth Super Bowl run in the Rodgers era, and instead of facing the Eagles, they stand before Phillip Rivers Vikings. The battle is epic, going into overtime as the two talented receiver cores go at it tit for tat, but it's Rivers who winds up finally beating Rodgers in the Super Bowl and giving Minnesota their next Lombardi. The Eagles, no longer defending champions, now have an early first in 2018, giving them early access to the big personality of Baker Mayfield. Jets still have Darnold, Bills still take Allen, but the Phoenix Colts and Indy Cardinals have their guys, so where to go for Rosen? As we've said before, off to Baltimore to replace Joe Flacco eventually. Lamar Jackson goes to Cincy to sit behind an aging cap. 
Oh, uh, yeah, Cap stays in Cincy because, despite his protests, if we know there's one thing the Bengal management hates more than unwanted media attention, it's making any change for any reason. So who wins our most recent Super Bowl with this whole 30-year timeline of changes behind us? The Jaguars! Mahomes' big arms service as a squad of the promising defense, knocks out the likes of Brady and Rodgers, and eventually defeats Jared Goff's Rams in Super Bowl 53. That, ladies and gentlemen, is what could have happened if John Elway had stayed at the Baltimore Colts. How do you feel? Do you agree? Disagree? Feel free to let me know. Share this episode and get your friends in on the conversation. You can shout me out or call me out on Twitter at GrantEvanAJ. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Alternate Jersey. I apologize for the slight delay. This script took a little bit longer to craft out as we covered 20 years of history and I pulled quite a few of my hairs out. Tune in next time in two more weeks with another episode and another story. Thank you for listening.